Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ebert Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we are once again joined by Simon Yarrell from Exaco, and we are talking about how insurance works for townhouses and unit titles. Now, this comes from a listener of the show, John, who said, guys, I've been reading an article and stuff today might be a good topic for the podcast. And it was specifically talking about how insurance are warning of a hidden risk in buying into a housing complex that doesn't have a body corporate. Now, John said, I've just invested or contracted to invest in a property that's a multi-unit that fits into this category. Should I be concerned? Now, Andrew, walk us through. Although the property that John's talking about here doesn't have a body corporate, what might it have instead? So, John, just to answer this, so normally speaking, we would see something like a residence association where there isn't a body corporate. So it is structured very much the same. It's a little bit cheaper to administer a lot of the time, and you can do this with a fee simple title. So you kind of get two bites of the cherry. You get the benefit of the group insurance or, or maintenance fund, but you also have a fee simple title, which often investors prefer. And so generally speaking, then the insurance might be covered as a group, which has some added benefits. Firstly, I can think of one development that I was involved in a long, long time ago. This is maybe 15 years ago. There was a block of about five or six units and they were damaged by the earthquake. Now they shared a foundation and one of the parties who owned one of the properties who was an owner-occupier didn't have insurance enough to form a rebuild post-earthquake. Now that poses a real problem because if number three in the block of five can't get insurance to cover his repairs, then the other four units have got a problem. And so in that case, the insurance companies of each of the individual units paid out and that guy in the middle just couldn't have his house rebuilt and so they just had to take the cash. So not a great result for investment side of things, but they did get a large amount of money so they were okay. But let's talk a bit about how you insure unit titles and townhouses, Simon. The critical number is five or less. So if you've got a block of one, two, three, four, and five, then the insurance companies are generally fine with that. It's when it goes over five that a different question needs to be had. So that's adjoining units you're talking about. Correct, right. yeah. So, so when you've got a party wall, but back to the same scenario you mentioned earlier, Andrew, well, you've got obviously a lot of shared services. You've got underground service, you've got the driveways, landscaping features, fences, whatever the case might be. The way the insurer looks at it is they just don't want to be in a situation where you've got a real big mess with like 18 or 20 different units all on one thing. It's just a real nightmare. Absolutely. You think about navigating your way through a fire claim or an earthquake claim where you've got five different insurers. Correct. That would just be a nightmare because everyone's going to kind of come up with a different repair strategy. That's right. I mean, and even Andrew, you know, each insurer will have a different policy wording around everything. So it becomes really problematical. I mean, you remember way back when you used to go to the video store and you try and with your mates, try and choose a a DVD or a video. Having five of you there was almost impossible, (laughs) like 10 or 20. So my point really is, is that when there's only five or less that's manageable when you get over that stage it's really probably down to one insurer taking care of the whole number of units in the block and just to make sure that I've understood you fully Simon you're talking about that you might have a development where there's 50 units within the full development Mm. but we're talking about five or less all conjoined so you might have five units together bit of a gap five units together another bit of a gap that's okay we could have different insurers there but what happens if they're all joined and we've got 50 units that are all joined Well, that gets back to what I was saying earlier, Ed, that really one insurer should take care of the whole development because then you don't have any issues around, well, they were insured, they weren't insured. It's one insurer with the party walls and all the rest of it makes a lot easier. 
getting back to my original point, it's always best to have these conversations with an insurance broker or insurance company before purchasing these types of properties so you've got a definitive answer in writing so that you can push forward with your due diligence. Now, if you're buying in a complex like this as an investment or even owner-occupier, then you need to just see how that policy is structured and who's going to administer that. And so that's why often you'll have these things called residence associations if there isn't a body corporate to cover this Mm. so that you know that everyone makes their portion of the payment Mm. and someone was just saying before off air, often you get a significantly discounted rate because of course it's economies of scale at that Mm. stage and you know I've seen insurance go from you know $1,700, $1,800 a unit down to kind of $1,300 so it does make a huge financial benefit having it structured this way and then if you pay someone to administer the residence association you're still winning. Mm, You are Andrew and I think that you know if you go to a great insurer and you're all in the same pot as it were from an insurance perspective it just takes that guesswork out of any awkwardnesses around someone not being insured because they haven't paid their premium as someone that has. So if you've got a residence association how do you make sure that I've got insurance? So I'm in this block we're in a residence association now is there a covenant on the title or how do you make sure that everyone's got insurance so you don't get it into this situation like you were talking about Andrew? So that's where you actually employ uh, like a, a body corporate company to actually manage these things. They do it slightly differently. And actually, we might get a body corporate expert on the show in the next couple of weeks mm. just to talk about this in a bit more detail because I think that'd be useful for the listeners of the show. Basically, you're just having someone professionally manage this and everyone has a responsibility. Everyone signs an agreement and it means that it actually preserves the integrity of your investment. So I'm a big believer in them. Mm. So if I'm investing in a new property from a developer for instance, what should I be looking out for? Does the developer have to do something or provide some documentation to ensure that this has got, excuse the pun, that this is actually in place to avoid some of the worries that are brought up in these articles? They don't have to and so you've got to be a bit careful. So when we're working with investors, that's something that we help kind of facilitate but there are lots of developers out there where you just buy off them and that's your problem. Often the lawyers will get a bit more involved nowadays but people like Williams Corporation for example, I know that they've been doing residence associations for a long while so they've got a pretty standardised process now and it seems to be working quite well. Now, within this article as well, Simon, what to get your take on this, it warns against putting an unconditional offer on a property without knowing that you can get insurance, which totally makes sense. Mm. Make sure that you don't put an unconditional offer on if you don't know that's the case. My question is, does that actually happen? Do people put unconditional offers on without checking that they can get insurance? Well, Ed, in this market, which is so buoyant at the moment for your investors, you know, people are scrambling around and often taking shortcuts. So I think the key thing is just back the truck up a bit here and make sure that you just follow a process and look, a five minute exercise in emailing myself or some insurance professional can give you that answer very, very quickly. And then that box is ticked. I've got unconditional on properties without insurance. There's You're like part. the classic builder where you know how to do it for other people, but you don't do it oh, for no, yourself. This was this was a case of losing the property if I didn't. So I yeah, that's your own house, mm, eh? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I so remember that, about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And look, sometimes these things can be untangled. And, you know, if you're that desperate to buy the house, well, then you feel free to take the risk. That's the point that I'm really making, Andrew. And it is just five-minute conversation or an email to someone who knows what they're talking about can remove that awkwardness. Just getting back to the whole residence association, one insurer being involved with the entire block, Ed, the way that it works from an insurance perspective is that one 
invoices sent for the entire block and then each one of the residents would pay their share of the insurance so they wouldn't be getting dealt with on an individual basis. It would go as a one invoice to the residents association and then the person who's managing that would then send an invoice for that person's portion of the insurance because remember too that not every unit in a block is identical and so if Andrew's got a three bedroom apartment in that block and you Ed have a one bedroom one, it'd be fair to say that your one would be cheaper to insure than Andrew's one because of the value associated with each one. And so what happens then if I then go and make a claim? So does that mean that Ed shares in my excess? <laughs> no. Not, not quite. No, it, it doesn't work like that because essentially it's per unit and each person would pay their own individual excess. What the insurance company is trying to do is they just want to be dealing with one person taking care yes. of the whole lot. And so there's some awkwardnesses there, but I don't think it's unsurmountable. No. And the thing around body corporates and insurance is it can be quite handy. So there's an apartment that I own. It's got a skylight in it that's had some issues at the moment. Now, the wonderful thing is because it's a skylight, I believe it's owned by the body corporate rather than myself. And so that's covered under their insurance policy. But it can be quite handy in that case because then the insurance is already covered because you don't actually own the outside of that property, even if it's on what you would consider your unit. Now, what I want to ask is, one of the worries some people have around body corporates is that the expenses are too much. Is there any way to know if the insurance premiums that my body corporate are paying are too high and they're actually more expensive than they otherwise should be? You can go to an insurance broker who would essentially research the market and get the best premium for the body corporate as a whole. So I think it's something that you'd revisit on an annual basis, maybe not every year, but every couple of years, just to make sure that the premium that's being charged on that particular body corporate or units or residence association is fair and reasonable. And actually, interestingly enough, I've seen in a lot of body corporate budgets that they will have an insurance assessment every year or every second year to make sure that that the amount they're insuring is still appropriate. Again, because insurance companies might have things like inflation adjustment, but mm. you can very quickly find with you know increasing house prices that you could be way out mm. in terms of the amount to replace a property mm. in the event of you know an upward market. Mm. But that's probably something very important for listeners to note is just double check that some of these things that are good practice, like having an insurance assessment each year, are actually happening because in all likelihood, there are probably many body corporates out there that aren't following some of these best practices. And if you can just note some of these down and make sure that you're raising this at the AGM or whatever is appropriate, mm. that's when you can start to potentially save costs on some of these body corporate fees. I remember we were talking about this not long ago in terms of Tim Weston, who's upstairs, works at Opus, who had gone and found cheaper quotes for rubbish collection, I think it was. And diligent landowners and diligent members of the body corporate are able to find ways to decrease costs in certain situations where they were otherwise too high. Mm. And Ed, I think just to your point there, you've got to realise that yes, the residents can obviously voice their concerns, but ultimately it's an all or nothing type of scenario. But you know, not every insurer in the market wants to insure a body corporate. And so it's not like you've got a lot of choice out there either. But back to the earthquakes of 2010, 2011, there actually was a significant amount of underinsurance because the body corporate secretary hadn't necessarily been checking on these things. Now in Christchurch, we're very aware of that, but certainly in the Auckland market, it's very important to make sure the sum insured is correct because to Andrew's point, the cost of rebuilding, demo 
snowing, asbestos, and all those sorts of things need to be factored into the overall sum insured. So if you're in a body corporate in a Hamilton or in Auckland or anywhere else around New Zealand, maybe a Whangarei, then that might be where you want to go to your body corporate secretary and just double check that that due diligence of what is it, double checking the sum insured is correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. And with a recent house file that I had a couple of years ago, actually, Ed, the thing that really surprised me, didn't catch me out because we had plenty of sum insured, but the cost of finding asbestos and actually removing it and then the site scrape across the entire section that had to be conducted got to about 40000 So yeah. there's all these incidental costs that you think, well, it's just the rebuild. But if they find asbestos or there's extra costs and foundations, it can really escalate. So putting in the effort to get the sum insured correct, I can't stress enough. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got a question for Andrew and I that you'd like to hear on the show, just like John did here, then send us a text. Our number is 5522. If you whip out your phone, send us a quick message. It'll be great to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. <laughs>